Hello and welcome to the 215 Workman's Podcast. My name is Brother Robert Reynolds. I'm from Good Fight Baptist Ministries in Lipa City, Batangas, Philippines. This is the podcast of myself and Brother Landon Dunn. And I uh, appreciate you all being with us today to hear this message that we have for you. And pray that uh, it's a blessing to you. And pray that it helps you learn to rightly divide the word of truth. Amen. Okay, well, um, first of all, I want to uh, apologize. I, I don't know if, uh, if you can hear it or not, but uh, one of the houses next to us is uh, they're, they're playing uh, their karaoke really, really loud. And, uh, and so if you can hear that, I, I apologize for that. Uh, and also, uh, if you don't mind, uh, please pray for uh, Brother Landon and uh, and his wife. They uh, they're going on vacation, so uh, so please pray for them that uh, their vacation will be uh, enjoyable and uh, be a blessing to them. Amen. Okay, so. Uh, what I am going to do today is I'm going to preach a little bit on why folks go back to Egypt. You say, oh, they don't go to Egypt. What are you talking about? Well, you'll, you'll see as we get into this. Okay. But let's go. Let's go to Jeremiah chapter 42. Jeremiah 42, and we'll read verses 8 to 17. Jeremiah 42, verses 8 to 17. And starting in verse 8, the King James Bible says this, Then called he Johanan, the son of Kareah, and all the captains of the forces which were with him, and all the people from the least even to the greatest, and said unto them, Thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, unto whom ye sent me to present your supplication before him. If ye will still abide in this land, then will I build you and not pull you down. And I will plant you and not pluck you up. For I repent me of the evil that I have done unto you. Verse 11. Be not afraid of the king of Babylon, of whom ye are afraid. Be not afraid of him, saith the Lord, for I am with you to save you and to deliver you from his hand. And I will show mercies unto you that, ye, that he may have mercy upon you and cause you to return to your own land. Verse 13. But if ye say, We will not dwell in this land, Neither obey the voice of the Lord your God, saying, No, but we will go into the land of Egypt, where we shall see no war, nor hear the sound of the trumpet, nor have hunger of bread, and there will we dwell. Verse 15, And now therefore hear the word of the Lord, ye remnant of Judah. Thus said the Lord of hosts, The God of Israel, if ye wholly set your faces to enter into Egypt, and go to sojourn there. Then it shall come to pass that the sword 
which ye feared shall overtake you there in the land of Egypt. And the famine whereof ye were afraid shall follow close after you there in Egypt. And there ye shall die. And then verse 17. So shall it be with all the men that set their faces to go into Egypt to sojourn there. They shall die by the sword, by the famine, and by the pestilence. And none of them shall remain or escape from the evil that I will bring upon them. So why does the Lord give a warning to not go to Egypt? Egypt is always a type and picture of the world. In Isaiah 31, 1-3, the Lord gives a woe to everyone that goes down into Egypt. So look at Isaiah 31. Isaiah 31. And we'll read verses 1 to 3. Woe to them that go down to Egypt for help, and stay on horses and trust in chariots, because they are many, and horsemen, because they are very strong. But they look not unto the Holy One of Israel, no, its Holy One is capitalized. Neither seek the Lord. Yet he also is wise and will bring evil and will not call back his words but will arise against the house of the evildoers and against the help of them that work iniquity verse 3 now the Egyptians are men and not God and their horses flesh and not spirit when the Lord shall stretch out his hand both he that helpeth will fall and he that is hoping shall fall down and they all shall fail together So a woe is a condition of deep suffering from affliction. Okay? Now, with Egypt, listen to this. Egypt is first mentioned in connection with Abraham not trusting the Egyptians around his wife. So go to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. And we'll read verses 10 to 13. And there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there. For the famine was grievous in the land. And it come to pass, when he was come near to enter into Egypt, that he said unto Sarai his wife, Behold now, I know that thou art a fair woman to look upon. Therefore it shall come to pass, when the Egyptians shall, shall see thee, that they shall say, This is my wife. And they will kill me, but they will save thee alive. Say, I pray thee, thou art my sister, that it may be well with me for thy sake, and my soul shall live because of thee. And then number two, Joseph, one of the greatest types and pictures of Christ in the Bible, was sold into Egypt as a slave. Go to Genesis 37. 
Genesis 37, and let's read 28 to 36. Then there passed by Midianites, merchantmen, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit, and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for twenty pieces of silver. Hmm, see the connection there with Christ? And they brought Joseph into Egypt. And Reuben returned unto the pit, and behold, Joseph was not in the pit. And he rent his clothes, and he returned unto his brethren and said, The child is not, and I whither shall I go? And they took Joseph's coat and killed a kid of the goats and dipped the coat in the blood. And they set the coat of many colors. They sent the coat of many colors and they brought it to their father and said, This have we found. Know now whether it be thy son's coat or no. And he knew it and said, It is my son's coat. And evil beasts had devoured him. Joseph is without doubt rent in pieces. And Jacob rent his clothes and put sackcloth upon his loins and mourned for his son many days. And all his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him. But he refused to be comforted. And he said, For I will go down into the grave unto my son, unto my son mourning. Thus his father wept for him. And in verse 36, And the Midianites sold him into Egypt unto Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh's, and captain of the guard. And then number three, God killed the firstborn of Egypt. Go to Exodus 12, verses 12 and 13. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord, and the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are and when I see the blood I will pass over you and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt and then number four God calls Egypt the house of bondage Exodus 20 verse 2 I am the Lord thy God which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And number five, the kings of Israel were even forbidden from getting horses from Egypt. Go to Deuteronomy 17. Deuteronomy 17. And verse 16. But he shall not multiply horses to himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt, to the end that he should multiply horses. For as much as the Lord has said unto you, ye shall henceforth return no more that way. And then number six. God called his son out of Egypt. Egypt. Look at Hosea 11 verse 1. 
Hosea 11, verse 1. When Israel was a child, then I loved him and called my son out of Egypt. So, the, the children of Israel, alright, the children of Israel, they were God's corporate son. And he called them out of slavery and bondage in Egypt. Okay, now, Hosea 11 verse 1 this is fulfilled in Matthew chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. Let's read that real quick. Verses 14 and 15. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt and went and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. Do you see that there? Now let's go to uh, Exodus 4, and I will show you that the children of Israel was God's corporate son. Exodus 4, verses 22 and 23. And thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. And I say unto thee, Let my son go, that he may serve me. And if thou refuse to let him go, behold, I will slay thy son, even thy firstborn. All right, and then number seven. The first time that Alexandria, Egypt is mentioned in the Bible, it is associated with unbelievers, persecution, and the eventual death of Stephen. So, the children of Israel, they end up being slaves in Egypt and serving the Egyptians with rigor. God sent Moses to free them from their bondage. They are freed, but then the suffering starts in the wilderness there's no water no food and they murmur even though they are set free by God from Egypt 
They want to go back to Egypt where they were fed and had water. Look at Exodus 14, verse 12. Exodus 14, verse 12. Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. Now go to Exodus 16, verse 3. Exodus 16, verse 3. And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots, and we did eat bread to the full. For ye have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly. With hunger. Now go to Acts 7. Acts 7. Verse 39. And let's read 38 also. Read 38 and 39. This is he that was in the church in the wilderness. With the angel which spake to him in the Mount Sinai, and with our fathers who received the lively oracles to give unto us. And then verse 39, to whom our fathers would not obey, but thrust him from them, and in their hearts turned back again into Egypt. So Israel was called out of that bondage and slavery in Egypt just as just as the church is called out the body of Christ <coughs> excuse me called out from slavery and bondage of the world and of sin to serve the Lord and to do good works for him And now notice also too here, speaking of church, that by definition, Israel here was a church. They were not in the body of Christ, but they were a church by definition. Called out assembly. You can read all their assemblies that they had. All right. But again, they were not in the body of Christ. They were not part of the body of Christ. They did not have any spiritual circumcision or any of that. Alright, so don't say that I'm teaching that there's two bodies. Because I am not. Amen? So before a person is saved, they are in bondage and slavery to sin and the world. 
But as I said, we're called out. The church is called out of slavery and bondage to do good works for the Lord. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Verses 8 to 10. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Okay, so there we see that a person is saved in this church age, in this dispensation, saved by grace through faith alone. We cannot work for our salvation whatsoever. And we don't work to stay saved. We work because we are saved. Amen? So 8 and 9 tell you how you are saved. And then verse 10. Verse 10 tells you why you are saved. For we are His workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus. Unto good works. Which God had before ordained that we should walk in them. You see that? So, we should walk in good works. But does that mean that every saved person is going to do work for the Lord? You know, just because somebody uh, says that they are saved, but yet they don't do anything for the Lord, we should not say that they are not saved because they're not doing anything. We're saved by grace through faith, right? So maybe they have put their faith and trust in Christ. And his death, burial, and resurrection. But maybe they haven't learned to do good works for the Lord yet. Maybe they're nervous about it or something like that. You don't know. Salvation is between that person and God. That's it. We don't know if a person is truly saved or not. It's between them and God. Alright, so, so now let's talk about the causes of going back to Egypt. Okay, um, Egypt, as I said, is always a type and picture of the world. And so a person is called out from this dark, sinful world to do good works for the Lord. But remember Egypt, or Egypt, excuse me, uh, Israel, they, they wanted to go back. They wanted to go back into Egypt. They said they had it good there. They, they were fed. You know, and they always had something to, to drink and all that. They were taken care of. 
So why why do saved people, why do Christians want to go back to their Egypt? Number one, he gets tired of fighting. Let's go to Jeremiah 42. Jeremiah 42. And uh, this is our text verse, okay? Jeremiah 42, verse 14, saying, No, but we will go into the land of Egypt where we shall see no war, nor hear the sound of the trumpet, nor have hunger of bread, and there will we dwell. So number one, he gets tired of fighting. We shall see no war. Israel was getting tired of the hardships in the wilderness. Wanted to go back to Egypt. Christians. You, you know. Some people think that. You know when they get saved. The Christian life is going to be all. Uh sugar and spice and everything nice and everything is going to go good and all of this and everything's going to be hunky-dory and there's not going to be any suffering but you know what the suffering starts when a person gets saved so a person gets saved they start going uh, start getting into some trials and tribulations. God allows those to come their way to build them up, to build their trust in Him. All right, build a better relationship and stronger relationship with Him. But sometimes it gets so uh, heavy and and burdensome on them that they just don't want to go on no more. They want to go back to their Egypt. They want to go back to the world because they didn't have. That suffering that they have as Christians. They don't want to keep on fighting. Look at Proverbs 24 16. Proverbs 24 16. For a just man falleth seven, seven times and riseth up again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief. So, when you fall, don't get down, don't get discouraged, get right back up. Dust yourself off and move on and keep serving the Lord. All right, look at 1 Timothy 6 12. 1 Timothy 6, verse 12. Fight the good fight of faith 
lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hath professed the good profession before many witnesses. So fight the good fight of faith. Without faith it is impossible to please God. Hebrews 11 verse 6. That's where I get the the name for for my uh, ministry and for the radio, Good Fight Baptist Radio, the Good Fight of Faith. So don't don't give up. Keep fighting. Keep on the firing line for Jesus. Amen. Look at Second Timothy four verse verse seven. The Apostle Paul says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Now, before a soldier goes into battle, they need training on the use of their weapons and armor and how to protect themselves. Alright? I'm not going to get very deep into this. But in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 20, you're going to see the whole armor of God. And one of those things that you see there in that armor is the shield of faith. Above all, taking the shield of faith. A shield is a general protection and you can move it around to protect you. Alright? And you need that faith. Because without faith it's impossible to please God. Right? There is something to faith. So just hold on to it. And then... Your offensive weapon that you have, the King James Bible, it is not just a version. It is the true, infallible, without error, preserved, and inspired Word of God in English. Look at Hebrews 4 verse 12. Hebrews 4 verse 12. For the word of God is quick. Quick means alive. And powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. And of the joints and marrow. And as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. This King James Bible knows all about you. That's why when you read it. You study it, it's like reading and studying yourself in a mirror. So it's alive. God's Spirit is in the King James Bible. Okay? Look at 2 Timothy 3.16. 
2 Timothy 3.16 All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Okay, so notice the word inspiration. Inspiration of God. Now, many say that inspiration means God breathed. But my friends, it's a little bit more than that. It's not only about God breathing, but it's about what God breathed. Okay? So, let's break down that word inspiration. Alright, first of all, you have I-N. In. So, God breathed in. Okay, and then you have S-P-I-R, spear, spirit. So God breathed his spirit. And then you have A-T-I-O-N, Asian. That shows the action of God breathing. So God breathed his spirit into this book. Into his word. Just as he breathed the breath of life. Into Adam. Into Adam and he become a living soul. Alright now, now go to. Uh, John 6.63. John 6.63. It is the spirit that quickeneth. The, fret, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Amen. So I'm just going to give these to you really quick, your defensive weapons. I'm not going to go into it. Now I have uh, I have an outline that that uh, I can teach some other time on these, but first of all, you have your loins girt about with truth. All right, Jesus Christ is truth. God's word is truth. Okay, that's the the uh, the belt. Okay, the belt of truth holds everything together, and then you have the breastplate of righteousness. You need the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. Amen. Not our own righteousness. And then you have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Wherever you go, be prepared. Alright, bring tracts with you, Bible with you, um, at least a New Testament, um, pen, paper, whatever the case may be, because you never know. You may have something in mind, you go out to do something, um, but then God changes it. Or He'll allow you to do what you need to do, and then He'll have you do what He wants you to do. You know, go to a hospital or something like that and pray for the sick, and, you know, go pass out tracts to people. You just never know what God is going to do. Amen. And the shield of faith. 
Alright, you'll see faith in Hebrews 11, verse 1. Alright, that's the biblical definition of faith. Then you have the helmet of salvation. Okay? The helmet protects your brain. Okay? The battle, the battle is for your mind. God wants your mind. The devil wants your mind. So we need to renew our minds. Romans 12, 1 and 2. See, the devil is always trying to put wicked thoughts in your mind. And then we pray always. So we need to take these weapons and practice, practice, practice. Exercise our faith. Faith is like a muscle. If you do not exercise it, it will not grow. Amen. And then number two. Before going back down to Egypt, folks get tired of preaching. Jeremiah 42.14 again. Jeremiah 42.14 Saying, No, but we will go into the land of Egypt where we shall see no war, nor hear the sound of the trumpet. In Isaiah 58, verse 1, a command is given to cry aloud, spare not, lift thy voice up like a trumpet. Remember that God chose the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And we'll start in verse 18. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish, the lost, foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Notice are saved. The perversions change it to are being saved or who are being saved to make you think that salvation is a process. But salvation is instantaneous. The moment that you put your faith and trust in Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection. Okay, verse 19. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Had not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? Verse 21. For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Notice believe there. To save them that believe. Believe. 
not to them that that uh, that say a prayer, you know, or them that get water baptized, or them that become a church member, but them that believe. And it is the responsibility of pastors to prepare their congregations for the judgment seat of Christ. And remember, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Romans 10, 17. So, listen to preaching. Read and study your Bible. 2 Timothy 2, 15. Study is a commandment. Not a suggestion. And by the way, the King James Bible is the only one that has study in it. The perversions take it out. And keep your mind on Christ. Amen. And then number three. Folks get tired of reading their Bibles. So they want to go back to Egypt. Jeremiah 42, 14. Jeremiah 42, 14. Saying, No, but we will go into the land of Egypt, where we shall see no war, <clears throat> nor hear the sound of the trumpet, nor have hunger of bread. And there will we dwell. Let me ask you, a, let me ask you something. Do you hunger for God's word? You see, God's word is how he speaks to us we speak to him through prayer he speaks to us through his word the king james bible so god's word will fill your appetite amen Let's you and I. Let's you and I not ever lose our hunger for God's word. Read it. Study it. Hide it in your heart.
Amen. God's word is so precious. This King James Bible right here is God's love letter to you. Amen. Always remember 2 Timothy 2.15. Never forget it. Amen. All right. So that is why folks go back to Egypt. Egypt, always a type and picture of the world. They want to go back into the world. They get saved. They start going through struggles. Start going through battles. And they get tired of it. And they want to go back to their Egypt. To the world. Amen. Alright. So. Before we go. Let us play a song for you. It is sung by the Montero family. And it's entitled. Rejoice. In the Lord. We pray that it is a blessing to you. see 
testing comes from above. God strengthens his children and purges in love. My father knows best, and I trust in his care. Through purging more fruit I will bear. Oh, rejoice in the Lord, he makes no mistakes. He knoweth the end of each path that I take for Amen. Now, I know that it's easier said than done, but no matter what you go through in this Christian life, never give up, never quit. You see, those trials and tribulations that you and I go through, the Lord allows those. And what He is doing is He is trying to remove the dross from you and I. Amen. You see... You know those those silversmiths. You know they 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 put that that uh, that silver in fire and they heat it up. Think about those trials and tribulations that we go through. Now then they take it out of that fire and they hammer it and they hammer it and they hammer it and it comes out better than what it went into the fire. Amen. Don't give up and quit. Let's pray for one another. Amen. We see our brothers and sisters in Christ fall. Let's be there for them. And let's help them to the finish line. Amen. Alright, so we'll go ahead and we'll stop right there. Uh, thank you so very much uh, for listening. Thank you for your prayers for me and my family, for our ministry. Um, thank you for uh, praying for Brother Landon 
and his family, their ministry. Please continue to pray for this podcast. That the Lord will use it mightily for his glory. To reach the lost. With the gospel of the grace of God. And to edify the saints. Amen. All right. Thank you so very much. Until next time. God bless you.